Books from my childhood arise before my gaze, bringing recollections of bygone happy days. When down in the meadow, in childhood I would roll. No one's left to cheer me now within the good old home. It seems we're both wet and chilled from the rain. But I've been known to make the weather change with the twist of the hip. Take a walk up the alley and I'll show you a trick. Have you a place, a place we can lay? I got me some lodgings just up the way. It's a few extra pins, but in quiet we'll play. Just show me the way. Well worth the expense for pleasure taboo. In the dark, we'll cut through. Hello and welcome to RipperCast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders. Joining the show today is the author of The Bank Holiday Murders and Ripper Confidential, Tom Westcott. And he and I are here to welcome the writers and composer of the new musical Get Jack, Damian Gray and Kip Winger. Kip Winger has been the frontman of the rock group Winger for over three decades and is as well a Grammy-nominated classical composer whose works have been performed by symphonies around the world. Damian Gray is an acclaimed off-Broadway writer and director with many productions to his credit, and this is both of their first times tackling the subject of the Whitechapel murders. Thank you both for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. My first question is to Kip. You have vast experience on the rock and roll stage, and you also have vast experience in the classical musical stage. Is this the first time that the two of those genres have really come together in in a type of theatrical production? It is, and it's a very, um, uh, it's a great genre for me to put all of what I do in one place so it was very exciting for me to to and to add to that i've never written anything where i read the words before i wrote the music i always write music and then the lyrics so i read the script and i would write the music literally off the page and uh and some of the some of the writing required me to to write classical music and some of it required rock music so um I didn't know that was going to happen. It happened organically when we started this. I just started writing music. At the very beginning of this, Damien had mentioned Eric Satie, and I'm a big fan of French composers. And so that's kind of what got me hooked in. So I kind of gave it a little bit of a, a uh, twist of that nature. And then the rock thing started seeping back in as, as the as working on it over three and a half years, you know, kind of developed. So... Um, kind of turned into the perfect blend of what I do and what I'm capable of, the classical and the rock, and add to that writing melodies um, 
Because in orchestral music, it's all instrumental. There's no words. And then in, in songwriting, there's a melody, but it's a three-minute song. So this is uh, this was a huge undertaking for me that I really I enjoyed it a lot. It was very very challenging, and it and it made me grow in a lot of ways that I wouldn't have normally expected. Uh, hey, Kip, this is uh, Tom speaking. That that brings up another question because uh, you know uh, as outsiders to this. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how a musical comes about. So um, this question's for both Damien and Kip. Kip says the lyrics were written first. Uh, when writing the lyrics, uh, Damien, you, you must have a beat in mind, maybe even a melody. Did you communicate that to Kip and he had to work around that? Or how does that work? Sometimes. In a few cases I did. I had a melody where just because I had to write something at a certain time. Um, and I would communicate that. But oftentimes... As we moved on through it, it was just sort of like in, in the same way that he said he was freed up by just writing music to lyrics. Um, when I stopped thinking about melody and I started thinking about stop thinking about scansion, and I started thinking more about what do I want to say, what does this feel like, um, that kind of freed me up. So it was kind of like a a back and forth uh, a back and forth on it. Um, so for, for, in some ways, like. The lyrics were informing the music, and then at times the music would inform the lyrics because I would go back in and I would change because he might have an extra few bars here or there, and I'd be like, "No, wait, there's more to say there." So it was kind of it was a really nice conversation between, you know, book, text, lyric, and and music that way back and forth. Yeah, it seems to me. I mean, because uh, you know, I always had the impression. I'm a longtime fan of of Kip Wingers. So I've always had the impression of him as something of a perfectionist in his work and. And being something of that myself, I find it sometimes hard to collaborate with someone else because you have two people who both have a vision and that for it to work, that vision has to come together. Listening to what I heard today, I, w I would say it absolutely um, came together. And that's, that's all I could think about was how did they get together to come up with this so perfectly? With uh, I listened to a lady in peril. I'm hearing, I imagine myself in a pub raising my my mug and you know this irish song pounding my foot on the floor and then it goes into this somber slow and i'm just like you know how did two different people put this together so it's interesting for you to say that in some cases the writing informed the music and in the opposite also held true i arrived at the lodging house just after one looking to sleep off the night and wash off that detail advance if you please I was all empty pockets needed to sleep to look round God Evans when he sprung to his fate no money no bed no money no bed no money no bed that's what he said hey around no around the story So that brings us to why Jack the Ripper. You, you wanted to write a musical. Uh, you know, Damien, I assume it, it started with you because you, you're the Ripper, Ripper fanatic here. Uh, you did the research. You wrote the lyrics. Um, but it must have appealed to Kip as well. So how did you guys both find this common grounding with Jack the Ripper? Well, I, I, you know, the funny thing is, 
I'm not so sure we ever found a common ground with Jack the Ripper because Kip, when I first, you know, we were first introduced by a, a mutual friend of ours who's a, a Broadway orchestrator. And I think as soon as I said it, you know, Kip went running because he was, you know, saucy Jack's final tap. I'm gone. Um, I said, no, just listen to me. I, I Because for me, as a kid, my grandmother uh, was a true crime fanatic, and she got me into true crime, which I'm, I'm still obsessed with it, uh, today. Um, and, of course, the touchstone of true crime, Jack the Ripper, who done it, is, the, is very much like front and center. And so for forever, I wanted to I'm – I'm a, I'm a writer and a director. I, I direct mostly musicals, and I write film and, and other things. And I was waiting for – to find a way into this story because I didn't want to, there's no, I didn't want to inject a love story, which a musical needs because there is no love story. I didn't want to identify a suspect because no one really knows. And so, but I wanted, but there were, there were themes that I wanted to, to explore. And those themes had to be brought to life by music that conveyed the emotion of what was being said or what was happening. And so when Kip started to sort of hear about, no, this is from the eyes of the women, and this is from the times, and this is like what people, what what the times were putting on these women, and what they had to do just to survive. Um, and so, when that started to happen, we were in this sort of like verse uh, world of just saying, "What does this feel like? What what are these emotions? How is this person reacting at the moment?" And so, it was that's what sort of informed it for the most part was just this underlying feeling of emotion whether it be terror whether it be desperation whether it be fear whether it be joy uh he was just there to say okay this is what orchestrally this should feel like and so to me we were speaking in a language that was organic and not not contrived A lot of it, I would call him up and say, "Okay, what do you want this to do? You know, like g give me a give me a, a reference, a point of reference." And he would, for example, the one you just mentioned. Um, he's like, "Well, imagine a bar where there, you know, the Irish woman's just sitting at the piano doing this, and it's got to be kind of, you know, everybody's uh, halfway wasted and they're, you know, falling around the room or something." And I would, so he'd give me a reference like that, and then I would take that reference and do my best to make that come to life in music. And that happened constantly. So, because remember, Damien's done this a lot. He's directed a lot of musicals. He's written a script for uh, movies and he's done a lot of this kind of thing in the theater world. And I'm complete newbie. I mean, I, I was in follies when I was in college, but uh, that's as far as it went. My thing was rock stage and ballet. And I didn't, do, I have nothing to do with any of this. So, um, you know, I've been, my whole thing's just been the giant learning curve of going, okay, how do I approach this and what do I need to deliver? And early on, I did one thing on the tune called Left Handed Wife that Damien wasn't expecting. I actually composed melodies to all the dialogue where in his mind it might have been just speaking, then music, then speaking and music. I, I wrote the whole thing out like an opera. So... 
Um, and it came very naturally to me. It was very exciting because I didn't have to like do verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, verse, chorus, you know, this kind of thing. So, um, like for example, if you listen to left handed wife, it, it really, it's a 15 minute epic of, you know, uh, it, a journey that takes you all these different places, you know? So, um, I kind of would follow his lead and then I would take it as far as I could. And we, we fine tune a lot of stuff after I get it done as well. He was tall. He was handsome. He spoke like a gent. Such a look in his eyes. I could feel his intent. I remember the smell of an oncoming rain and a curious fear. A sweet-smelling breeze Then the rain touched my face I stumbled a bit I hadn't eaten in days A dim light from a window Called like safe harbor The window slid open Then came the bottom I say, old man how do you sell your grapes? Well, Kip, you've for decades been, it seems to me, um, challenging yourself. And I mean, you went from rock and roll and then decided, I want to learn how to compose, uh, you know, classical orchestral movements. And, and I, you must have spent years just studying that. I did, and, yeah. I, uh... and then you emerged to, to start you know, putting work out there and you put out a uh, ghost. And of course, uh, when I, when Jonathan saw that, uh, Christopher Wielden, cause Jonathan's not into the same kind of music. He's not as familiar with winger, but when he heard Christopher Wielden, he was impressed. And then, uh, and then to get Grammy nominated, I mean, people don't just do this. Okay. <laughs> but you do. I mean, it's been your whole life story. Everything you, you know, do is just masterful. Um, and so now you've decided, well, I'm going to go do something else I have never done before. But so now you've got into this new world uh, of, of, you know, of doing a musical. What is the next step? The next step, I mean, in my mind, is getting this thing up, in, up, up on a stage and running. You know, um, it, it, it came about, man, because I did, you know, I did five minute songs with my bands and then my solo work. And then I wanted to make bigger music. So I did classical music and then. You know, that's like 20, 20 minutes of music. And, and then uh, after the Grammy nomination, I was like, okay, I no longer have to prove myself to anybody, you know. I don't have to come at this from an angle of like, uh, you know, recovering any of the, of the past. And, and my whole focus has been, you know, be a better musician, be a better musician. But now I sat back and thought, okay, what do I really want to do now? And what I wanted to do was an opera or a musical, which would be a much bigger work, uh, you know, two hours plus, or, and with vocals. So I threw out my net into the universe go, uh, to several people going, hey, I want to do this. And, and I interviewed a couple people before I met Damien. And I just, I'm, I've been very blessed with great co-writers, um, you know, Reb Beach. And when, early on in my youth, Peter Fletcher, when, with my band Blackwood Creek, and then Reb Beach, and then Janka Roglu from Turkey, and uh, I've just been, I've had a few very 
simpatico relationships with some writers. And then I met Damien on Skype through Chris Yonke, who's Damien mentioned, he's a big Broadway orchestrator. And I knew I knew instantly, okay, this guy I can write with because we come from the same mentality, you know. So um, I just threw caution to the wind, trusted that I could work with him. I didn't know if he was good. I'd never seen anything he had done before. I just liked him. And for me, um, that's what it's about. I mean, you have to you have to enjoy the company of the people you work with. Because it's really, for me, it's all about creating art and enjoying the experience rather than let's try to make some money and, you know, do this whole kind of thing. It, it, it was very apparent very quickly that we were going to be able to do this. And, and all the other projects that I might have taken on at that time, I shelved them all. And I spent three and a half years with him doing this. Well, and then the next step, now that the musical's out there for people, and by the way, let's talk about where people can buy this. Uh, Kipwinger.com for, for sure. Where else could they go to get uh, get Jack? Well, all the information that anyone needs to know is, is at getjack.com. So, getjack.com, okay. And right now we're in the pre-order phase, um, and the record comes out July 19th. And uh, we're hoping to, you know, get as many sales as we can on the pre-orders. And if you do pre-order, you can go to the web page and click the Get Jack uh, guitar link and enter your name to uh, possibly get this one-of-a-kind guitar. We're doing a guitar giveaway that we had a Get Jack guitar painted. And also there's a tune on there that's going to be, that'll be delivered to you that, that I actually sang because I don't sing on this album. We have eight very well-known Broadway singers um, and uh, that was another really cool thing about it is to write for other singers. I've never actually done that. So um, you can find all the info at getjack.com. And, uh, you know, it's, it, by the way, you know, this is the, con- this is the concept album. This is Damien and my vision, uh, original vision of this. Of course, when it goes uh, into workshops, labs, and theaters, it, it's under constant scrutiny for rewrites and stuff. So, um, and that's already happened largely. So this is the original version that was Damien and I's, Damien and I's vision. Oh, fantastic. So Damien, are, you're a director. Are you going to be producing the stage play or what, what's your next uh, step with Get Jack? Uh, I'm the writer. So in, in theater, we don't get to direct what we write. So okay. I'm director, so I'm directing lots of other things, but this is something I wrote. So um, Kelly Devine, who's the choreographer of Rock of Ages and Come From Away, she's making her directorial debut on Get Jack. And she's the perfect person to be. She has an amazing imagination, an incredible stager, and uh, she's a woman. And this story is from the perspective of a woman. So, and it's it's very much sort of like on the back of everything that's happening now with, with, for everything from equality to women being silent to women being, you know, me tooed on down. So it's this the perfect person to be helming this right now as a woman. Uh, it, since you brought that up, there has actually been a lot of stir in the last year or two regarding um, feminism uh, against Ripperology, Jack the Ripper, the media's pre- you know presentation of him as like a superhero. Uh, do you see any any uh, hassle or feedback coming your way from that? Um, you know, people leveling accusations at you because we've had that happen to us 
who are authors or podcast, you know, uh, uh, like Jonathan Mingus, uh, folks like Hallie Rubenhold, who's just yeah. published a book. Do you do you anticipate any problems uh, along that end? Uh, well, look, you know, I, I I anticipated this, and I had to say, like, for me, this was never about this was never about telling a story or musicalizing something about the murder of women. To me, the first in of the show was okay. What is it? What is it that draws people to the mystery? And the very thing that draws people to the mystery is the thing that Get Shack says, you've been focused on the wrong fucking thing. Okay? So Get Jack sort of takes its cue from that to begin with. Um, and I was more interested – I wasn't interested in who. I was interested in what. I didn't, I didn't care about who. And I have an opinion in being obsessed with Jack the Ripper in the case. We can go on and on about the candidates and who we think did it. But for me, it was more about what. And what what consumed these women and why, and so, and and then the enigma that history has provided us, this sort of walk through this hall of mirrors about who this bastard murderer was. For me, it was more about no 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 no. Women were killed by a type of man that history has shown us from various you know from from modern sort of like forensics and pathologies and studies of the mind of a serial killer. History has showed us what kind of guys do this thing. So to me, it was like, let me drill down into the mind of that guy. And then let me find the women to say, you know what? We'll no longer be silent. You will no longer silence us. We've been wronged. We're coming back. We're going to speak and we're going to take revenge. To me, that's what the show is about. There's blood in Whitechapel. I fear this would happen. Alone as I trembled So cold and forsaken From life I was taken They looked at my body A horror to suffer To them I was nothing I was somebody's daughter So unhappily ever after Good mother of mercy The album that exists right now is the sort of original vision of the story. The stage play that's developed from it is equally as powerful, but very different, but maintains the same spirit. Both of these things are unified by passion. People that are involved want to tell this story and they want to tell it the way that it exists. Kip, now that you've done this with Damien, do you see yourself uh, 
tackle, you know, taking on something that is personal to you and writing the lyrics, the music, the whole kit and caboodle for for a musical and for the stage. I don't because I'm not really a story guy. My mind doesn't work like that. Uh, I mean, it, it it would be very far fetched. Let's put it that way. I, I enjoy working with somebody like Damien who really understands the mechanics of a story. Like if you ask me, what are the mechanics of this orchestral piece and why do, why does it work and you know uh, the structure of the timeline of the, the harmony and all that stuff, I could answer you in detail. I couldn't do that about the mechanics of a good story, you know? And so, um, and it was so much work, dude, that, uh, if I did it again, it would probably be with Damien because, uh, you know, we've got our, we're kind of like a well-oiled machine now, you know? So, and we both have plenty to say. Um, I'm not opposed to doing another one. Um, especially if, if I was moved by the story, because it's a, like I say, it's a really, it, as, hard, as, as big of a lift as it was, it's a great place for me to put all the uh, skills that I've developed in one place. Damien, do you see yourself working with Kip on another project in the future? I would love that. Look, for me, like I was a fan of his music uh, long before I thought about working with him. And in fact, when I was with uh, Chris Yonke, who's a Broadway orchestrator, we were hanging out in Key West working on another project. And when I showed up, he was playing this piece of music. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is exactly what I'm thinking about for what I'm working on right now, which was Get Jack at the time. And he's like, it's Kip Winger's classical music. I'm like, Kip the fuck? Really? And, and like, I, I literally was so incredibly moved by it. It had the spirit of everything I wanted. And when I found out it was Kip, I was like, look, you know, I, I, I was a huge Winger fan. Um, and, 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 and it wasn't, and for me, like, like, also, again, Kip, you'll hate this, but also being a huge Metallica fan, it was hard for those two things to exist. And I would tell people, go fuck yourself. Because if you're not listening to what that dude's writing, you're insane. You know, so it's just like... you know I, I never, you know, Winger to me, uh, when I was in high school, and Winger was a big part of my high school life, um, you know, it, and a lot of my friends, we all liked Metallica. We all liked Winger. There was, you know, it's music. good music was good music, uh, you know, Bottom line, the thing about Winger at the time that uh, appealed to me is there was a level of maturity uh, that was kind of above the other quote-unquote hair metal at the time, um, a deeper understanding of melody, and a higher incorporation of hooks into the songs. I was like, you know, this. it was like he had to know this was going to be a platinum album before it came out because it was just, it. Madeline hit, it was phenomenal, it blew up. And if not for uh, for younger listeners, uh, in the early 90s, the, there was a corporate maneuver that changed MTV and national radio and uh, put all of my favorite bands out of business. I was a night. I hit my uh, midlife crisis at age 19 because <laughs> it's true. I, I'm talking to a 16 year old and we're on totally different levels of understanding about what good music is. I hope no one else ever has to experience that again. But um, back to the uh, stage show, am I right in understanding that there there has been preliminary stage productions of Get Jack? Has there not? Uh, not preliminary stage 
productions that we did uh we did three workshops um public workshops uh and just two industry and one one sort of open wider to that which is what enabled us to get from one step to the next to the next um and each one we did we garnered more and more support um the last one um is what uh is where kelly became involved and uh anita waxman who's a big barber producer who's option the show she got involved um uh, general management company got involved so you know we've been very careful to sort of like take our steps carefully um and uh the right people to getting the right people involved because it is a heavy lift and it is a it is a lo- it is a journey to get something like this to to the stage and, and the fact of the matter is like you know you tell people hey what's it about oh it's about jack the ripper oh my god it's about women being murdered i want right, nothing right, to do with right. it we're like no, no 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 uh it's not what it's actually about so let's take another look at this because it's it's what got it's look people have tried to do something with this story uh in many different forms and now are trying to do it in a whole different way and there's an appeal to this because it's a it's an IP, it's an intellectual property that people recognize. So people always want to capitalize on an IP. And for us, it was just this sort of natural way of saying, look, I have this point of view. Let's see where we get with this and let's take our time. Uh, we got a lot of early supporters that allowed us to do an independent, um, an independent workshop of it. Um, an independent sort of, uh, you know, a concept album, which is just coming out. And then the industry came Then the industry took us to the next level and the next level. So it's, it's been a very, it, it's been a very methodical process. And the yeah. album that's um, released next week that began as a Kickstarter campaign, did it not? It did. Absolutely did. Yes. It and is, wow. is there still a Kickstarter campaign involved in the production of the stage show or, or has that, is it gone beyond Kickstarter to where now no, you no. have pri- private investors? Yeah, no, we have uh, the Kickstarter campaign was really phenomenal. Like it, we we raised our request in 30, 32 hours. So you know it, the, the interest was there, um, uh, the passion for Kip doing this was there, um, and then the, the then it went well beyond what we asked for, which allowed us to do the album. Um, which allowed us to, to attract the investors and the barber producers, which has allowed us to do another workshop, uh, which allowed us to sign a, to have a producer come and, and, and option it, which allowed us a director to come and say she was passionate about it and wanted to do it. Um, so it's, it, the work sort of acquired its talent on its own merit. Uh, wow. Well, Damien, to, to invest so many years in a single project, uh, is that how it has to be every time you decide, I'm going to start w- w- writing something new? It has to be something you want your, to be a part of your life for years? I mean, talk about that for a second. How do you, ch- I mean, other than Jack, just, you know, your last project, your next project, how do, how do you do that? How do you everything, settle everything on something? Everything else I did, I was hired to do by other people, which al- which afforded me, the, the luxury of being able to write the thing that I wanted to write. So it's kind of like I worked it into gaps and primarily I work as a director, as a theater director. Uh, I work worldwide for companies like Universal Studios and, and Walt Disney Company, uh, making everything from spectacles to parades to, to stage shows um, and musicals for independent companies all over the world. So for me, like, you know, 
all of those things, which I'm passionate about, allowed me to sit and say, okay, so how do I write this, this, this story that I've been obsessed with since I was a kid? How do I, you know, how do I do this where I can just, it's, it's my, it's my own thing. So when I sit down after I'm done with everything else and I sit in front of my computer and my notebooks and I go, okay, I'm going to write. And to me, it was always my time. And so, I, and I did it in a vacuum for a long time. And then, um, then I met Kip and it just sort of became what it became. And we just decided, okay, let's, let's just go for this. Um, so it was the other things that I do that afforded me to do it, just like it's the other things that Kip does that afforded him to do it. And the great thing about that was, is that we could do it our way. And we, we weren't, we weren't being controlled by somebody saying it had to be this or it had to be that. Right. Um, so it's sort of the album. The great thing about the album is that it's exactly what we wanted it to be. It's exact. Nobody else had anything to say about it. So we love that about it. Well, the uh, when you were writing it and you were writing for, say, Jack, did you um, did you only write that part and then come back in a different mindset and write for the women, or did you act it out? How did you know? Because listening to some of the lyrics. Uh, you know when when a Jack's talking or the 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 Bible Belter is talking and the, Miss Wilmot, Mrs. Wilmont particularly grabbed me because there's some crazy lyric writing in that that just grabs you by the throat. Did you? I mean, create a character in your mind as a director and you imagined it on a stage as you were writing. Is that how you did it? I did do it that way, and, and because it is, you know, essentially the first act is, you know, the the. I had a job to say, okay, here's five women. Here's five women that were murdered. Here's enough about them. Here's enough about the times. Here's enough about the way that maybe the guys sort of approach this. And then the second act was going to be a complete flight of fancy where it was going to be a, a graphic novel revenge story uh, where they would become almost superheroes um, to avenge themselves and to sort of take back their voices and reclaim their place in history because everyone's focused on the killer, not the victim. Um, so, you know, for me, it was it was a puzzle. So I, I kind of wrote it like like I think I started with. I think I started with left-handed wife at the double event because it, it was dramatic. You know, two women killed on the same night, two very different women unrelated uh, in, in the span of an hour. Uh, this to me seems like life with drama. So what do I do? And I was really careful, very intentionally careful not to invent anything. Mm -hmm. So I just, I basically said, here's what I know about that murder. Here's what I know about stride. Here's what I know about Edo's. Here's how much of it I can use, and here's what it might have felt like. So let me just do that. And so I wrote that piece, and it was about 15 minutes long, 16 minutes long. Um, and in the album, it happens in past tense. In the, in the musical, it happens in real time. Uh, the stage musical happens in real time throughout rewriting. But, um, but, uh, but I started with that. So that's, that's kind of how it was born. As sure as I stand here with Bible in hand, you'll not stay the night under devil's command. Sure, I've been drinking, been drunk three times today. I just need to sleep. You get no lodging with back rent you're dodging. Please, Mr. Wilmont, I'm tired and hungry and I need a bed. You're a filthy old drawer who squandered a life. It's the wages of sin that have caused you this strife. Go sleep in the streets, let us shrug for your shelter. I've not got the rent to give you tonight, but 
but I got something else up my dress you might like. You disgust me, you slag. You've no teeth in your head. But in this black bonnet, I drive the boys wild. You think that bonnet gives you style? It's lipstick on a pig. You're nothing but vile. There's things in the Bible, forgiveness and such. Yet you beat a dog down with that good book you clutch. If it's meek, you do say, shall inherit the earth. Then I'm bound to rule. It's been a right since my bed. Oh, get out of my sight, you violent contagion. You're a sore on the ass of this glorious nation. So you've written this twice. You wrote what we're going to get on the CD, and then you 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 had to craft the stage play um, using this, I guess, as the source material. Some of the songs we're going to hear will not be performed on stage. Correct. Uh, Correct. And that. And then others might be, you know, dramatically different or altered in some respect. So the album, after the second workshop, the album was draft. Um, I think, I think uh, eight point four, and we're on fourteen five now. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's, it's, so it's it's developed quite a bit. And look, you know, the album wanted to be this symphonic journey into the mind of a serial killer, into the mind of Whitechapel. It could roam, it could be tangential, but a stage musical can't really do that. So we, I, I had to, I, I had to really action it in a very different way. The heart of it is still the same, and I would say, you know, eighty percent of it is still the same. But there are songs that are in the musical that I wish were on the album, and there was stuff on the album that I wish was in the musical. And if this thing takes off, then we might expect to see a soundtrack to the musical stage show. Correct? Uh, yeah, you absolutely will, and it would be different. Um, right? Yeah, we absolutely. That's part of the plan. Wow. I mean, just. Uh... Yeah, I get Jack. I'm a writer, you know. Obviously, I've written nonfiction. I've also written several novels. But the idea of tackling, you know, a stage production with this kind of lyrical writing, um, it, 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 and you're coming from the world of directing, and this is the first like full production you've written. Is that correct? Uh, it's the full first full musical I've written. I've written seven uh, seven stage plays that have been produced in um, two films that have been made and a bunch of films that I wrote on. Um, but this is the first, and I direct almost entirely musical. So this is the first musical I've actually written. How different was that going from writing, uh, say, just you know, a stage script or or a film script to writing? a musical where you have to incorporate lyrics into the, the narrative structure. How different was that for you? It was very different in some regards, but in other regards, it was, it was kind of like, well, as a director, as a directing musicals, I'm, I, I'm always breaking down lyrics. I'm breaking down scenes and how they work and how to get musicals. Musicals get there quickly. They get there more quickly than anything else does. They have to. Um, so I, in some ways I used a directorial eye, in, in, in mindset in trying to structure the musical as it was because it's very it is non-traditional it doesn't do what musicals are supposed to do it doesn't have a love story it doesn't have an I want song it doesn't have all of the things that a traditional Broadway musical is supposed to have but I never wanted it to be a traditional Broadway musical I want it to be a piece of musical theater that examines the life of five women that were murdered and, and then ignored and neglected and forgotten and the mind of a serial killer what possesses a man to do something like this and what kind of man is like this so for me none of it is inherently musical but altogether, it's very musical. 
anything I can say this with, with confidence. Any because I'm I'm aware of all the things that have been done to now on stage regarding this con regarding this uh regarding the subject matter. And I will say all of those things felt guilty to that because what they were trying to do is have, you know, is have, is, is have the love interest and have Jack the Ripper be in love with one of the women and like have this whole thing going on and try to make a musical out of this thing. And I, we never ever set out to make Jack the Ripper the musical. We set out to tell a story about five women who are brutally murdered by a horrible person and time has forgotten them and remembered him. And that's why I wrote it. And that's why he got involved. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, you're part of a, a new movement then, uh, really turning it around and looking at the victims. And it's interesting that you did that on your own before the recent, uh, you know, Hallie Rubenhold's book called The Five. And the they're making a TV series about, about that, focusing on the victims. Uh, but you were already in the middle of, writing this and producing it before any of that broke out. So, um, you might get, you're, you know, as you do more media about this, you're going to have people ask you about that and ask if she influenced. And so just be prepared for that. If you haven't already heard that a a dozen times, I haven't heard it at all. Um, I haven't heard it all. And I don't know when she started that, but, um, you know, this, this, (laughs) the, uh, the, the first draft of what at that time was called white chapel, um, was in uh, 2012. Yeah, you you were ahead of her for sure. Yeah, you know it's a real pleasure talking to you know I love you know I'm a creative person I love talking to creative people and you and Kip are on a whole different level and okay well you guys have a good one thanks for having me on I'll talk to you later thanks hey, right, thanks, thanks for coming Kip. on Kip okay. all right uh, thanks a lot Damien great to yeah talk you'll to hear us. from us soon thanks you guys doing great work best of luck. Killer in black, but it ain't a who done it. We've seen enough of that. It's a tale about ghosts and their horrible slayer. Came after the killing shows up in the plan. Now I'll set the scene to avoid the confusion of a story we're telling without a solution. We don't know who done it, but who done it, God did. Five women he murdered by quid pro quo kid In darkest England, 1888 In the east end of London, come horrible fear